Damo, you big sweet tooth. Yes, MP, you chocoholic. So naughty but nice. We're a hit at the Wellness Summit and I want more. Well, how does 20 recipes in their free ebook Heavenly Healthy Desserts sound, MP? Jeepers, Damo, I'm loving that. Or you can hop on down to their brand new cafe, Selection Cafe in South Melbourne and receive 10% off your favourite healthy desserts. Woohoo! To do so, go to sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch and fill in your details to receive your free ebook and discount voucher. That's www.sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch. So naughty but nice. Delicious nutrition. Thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives the real food real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health we get real on current research debunk food myths and educate you on how to just eat real food your host steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist is one of australia's leading sports nutritionists passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes smoothies and sweet potato if you love the show please leave us a review on itunes Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome back to the Real Food Real. Today on the show we have Michelle Wolfe, author of the bestseller Digestive Solutions, naturopath, registered nurse and expert in integrative medicine with a focus on the gut. As we have already discussed on the show, the gut-brain connection is the new frontier of health And today, Michelle and I dive in deeper. Hi, Michelle, and welcome to the show. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat to you about this topic today. But before we do, because it's your first time on the show, can you start with certainly your health story, if you like, and then some information about your background in the health and nutrition industry? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start with my health story. So, Back when I was a teenager in in my early 20s, I had about three years of antibiotic therapy for acne, which, uh, as we know now, antibiotics destroy the good bacteria in your gut. I then went travelling to Asia, and when I was in Indonesia, I uh, ate some food that I reacted to and uh, contracted salmonella food poisoning and a couple of parasites and was hospitalized for some time and lost the lining of my gut. Um, I then started nursing and thought I'm with with the most professional people I can be with and um, I saw specialists for my health problems, but I soon realized the limits of what could be done. So, you know, it was either drugs or, or surgery. And uh, later on I discovered that I'd developed Uh, a range of allergies um, because of those initial gut problems and never quite came back to what I was before I'd had the antibiotics and before I'd been to Indonesia. So that led me on a path to uh, look at different practitioners myself and I took up uh, Chinese medicine, colonic hydrotherapy and a range of other natural medicine and then started studying it myself because there was a profound difference in my health when I took on board what they asked me to. Um, So I come from England and I studied as a nurse in England, as a colon hydrotherapist in England, aromatherapist, reflexologist, but I was never quite satisfied with that. So I came to Melbourne back in 1992 and studied naturopathy. Um, So I learned a lot how to heal my 
health and you know I stand here today as someone who probably looks about 20 years younger than I um do I you know I look a lot better than I did back then I'm now 50 um and I guess the advantage of steering me on a on a great path with my diet is that I've kept fit I I haven't put on weight like you know some of my friends have so you know it was a journey uh but it it's led me to so much knowledge and a great career and the ability to help a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's quite common. You know, your own personal experience leads you to, I guess, your passion and certainly then being able to share that knowledge with others. Yes, definitely. Lovely. All right. So let's talk about the gut. So I want to start with the basics for the benefit of all of our listeners today. So if you could share with us, what is the role of the gut in the body? Well, in simple terms, the main role of the gut is to absorb all your nutrition for the rest of your body and all your organs and your mind and your stamina and your overall wellness, and also to excrete uh, toxins. So the gut not only involves the the bowel, it's also the stomach, the pancreas, uh, and the liver. So they all all play a part in that. Um, In more recent times, it's been discovered that the gut is between 70 and 80% of your immune system, and that the, there is something called serotonin produced in the gut, in the nerve cells of the gut. And serotonin is what we call a neuron, neurotransmitter that is like a, a, a happy um, neurotransmitter that keeps your brain in an um, up state. So if you're lacking in serotonin, you can feel more lethargic or, or down. Um, and they've actually found that 95% of serotonin is made in the gut and 5% in the in the brain, and there is a connection there as well. Um, the gut has a healthy microbiome, a bit like the soil. So there's hundreds of different good bacteria in the bowel that help the gut to operate well as far as the immune system, but also to ensure that you absorb your nutrients well from your foods and from supplements if you're taking them and also to help the whole health of the bowel to stop inflammation to prevent uh, parasites and bacteria from forming and um, to prevent leaky gut as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, obviously something we're now realising is is such a huge topic and certainly has a significant influence on um, our overall health and wellness. Why do you think it is that scientists are only realizing now that the gut does more than just process food? Well, as a naturopath and a lecturer, it has actually been the scientific research has been done in natural medicine terms for years and years, but it's not been written in the journals that doctors read. And, you know, doctors haven't always considered. Uh, naturopathy necessarily um, a scientific research base, but it's all been there. It's just not been presented in their journals. It's more on PubMed and other journals. But modern science, so the doctors have now decided to do their own research and it's caught up with naturopathy. So now they're saying, well, yes, what you've been saying for years is actually uh, true. So a lot more money has been put into research and you know everything evolves in a matter of time they've discovered a lot more 
uh, good bacteria and a lot more bad bacteria in uh, scientific research. And also more laboratories have opened up that do that scientific testing. For example, a bioscreen is probably one of the best stool testing methods in the world, and that's, that's done in Melbourne, Victoria. But there are various labs that have opened up that do a lot more than your standard Medicare tests. Yeah, it's just amazing to think that we know, you know, Hippocrates said all disease begins in the gut 2,000 years ago and really this decade we're only starting to recognise that as being the foundation of health and wellness. Yes, exactly. And I really think, you know, I have a background in nursing, so I was part of that medical model. But really, you know, modern medicine is only 200 years old, whereas um, Hippocrates and natural medicine goes uh, back a lot further than that. So I just think, you know, we lost our path Mm. in modern medicine and the understanding that food, you know, it's only recently been considered in orthodox medicine that that food makes a big difference to your health, whereas it's fairly logical really to, you know, what you absorb with your nutrition impacts the whole body. Absolutely. So how does the gut work in the context of the whole body? I want to know more about the involvement um, that you mentioned between the bowel, stomach, pancreas and liver. Yes. So when you eat food, it goes into your stomach. And the only place that you want to be acid in your body is your stomach. So you should have good amounts of hydrochloric acid in there. That hydrochloric acid is in part formed by the liver and it breaks down your food so that it gradually goes into a soup-like substance into your small intestine. But it's also your first line of defense. So, for example, you could have five people who ate a lettuce leaf with a parasite egg on it and the one person who had low hydrochloric acid it then it then bypasses their stomach and grows in their intestine and causes uh, an overgrowth of that parasite and a big problem so it's important that that upper part of the digestion is good then you have your pancreas which um, a lot of people will know produces insulin to help prevent diabetes and to break down sugars but it also produces digestive enzymes, which break down your food as well. So you want everything, firstly, to be chewed really well and then all these right digestive juices to come into play to help the digestion as it gets lower. Um, Your liver uh, is your major detoxification organ, so everything that you're breathing in and taking in, you know, if you're um, breathing in, lead fumes or whatever it is, your liver goes through two phases of detoxification to help your body get rid of that. But it also produces bile and bile goes into a reservoir called your gallbladder and that's what actually colours your stools brown. Um, it starts off as a green colour and every time you eat a fat, bile is uh, bile is squirted into the um, stomach and the small intestine to emulsify fats and then all your food goes into your small intestine which is about 22 feet so it's it's quite long um and that's where most of your absorption takes place through tiny little villi on the side of the bowel wall so you want the side of the bowel wall to be healthy to be able to uptake nutrition and provide the right uh, bacteria 
the good bacteria also produce some vitamins and uh, uh, minerals. And um, then when your stools go into your large intestine, they become more solid. You have some water uptake in your large intestine, but mainly a uh, sewage. That's, that's where your waste matter occurs. And you need a lot of colonic bacteria for that. Would you like me to embellish more on that? Um, did you just want to finish at the, at the last statement that you made about um, you need a lot of bacteria for that? Yes. So in your, in your large intestine, you need mainly something called bifidus, which helps to um, make sure that the motility of the bowel is, is good. Um, when you have good bacteria, it also prevents bowel diseases like Crohn's disease, inflammatory bowel disease, cancer. Um, and those bacteria on the side of the bowel wall help keep the cells healthy. So on the side of the bowel wall, we have something called short-chain fatty acids, and they help keep the, the side of the bowel wall really healthy. So even though not a lot of absorption happens in the large intestine, it still needs to be kept really healthy to stop fermentation to allow the stools to pass through in a certain amount of time um, and for absorption of water to take place. Yeah, it's certainly a complex system. And I think that um, it's something that we need to factor into everyone's health and wellness. Um, but what I'm sort of wanting to understand a little bit further, and I think our listeners are too, is how does that relate to the term microbiome, which is certainly what we've been hearing a lot about in the media in, um, in recent years. Yes. Your microbiome is the microbes on the side of the bowel wall that stick to the bowel wall. Um, so as I mentioned before, if you think of it like a, a soil, a soil has to produce a lot of good microbes and bacteria for plants to grow healthily. It's similar on the side of your bowel wall. And if you don't have the right amount of good probiotics, good prebiotics and healthy cells, then it becomes uh, an opportunistic ground for bad bacteria to attach. Um, if you don't have the right pH on the side of your bowel wall, so acidity or alkalinity, then it's going to become more of a breeding ground for uh, pathogens. So if you have a really good microbiome where there's no inflammation, there's healthy cells, there's really good uh, probiotics, the villi are in really good health, then it's unlikely that any bad bacteria are, are going to like that terrain. So it's all about the, the terrain. If you have a good terrain, then you just won't, won't develop problems. Yeah, so does the microbiome include the good bacteria, the cells, and potentially the bad bacteria in someone who's got an unhealthy gut? Yes, yes. So the microbiome can be a good thing or it can be disturbed by bad bacteria. Uh, so, for example, if you have an overgrowth of enterococcus or streptococcus or bactericides, that's, that can be bad bacteria. Um, you can also have bad pathogens, uh, as in parasites. So, for example, things like Blastocystis hominis or Diantamoeba. And you can also have um, other substances like fungus, uh, for example, Candida, that also cause a problem in the in the microbiome. And you know, on the on the flip side, you need really good amounts of uh, 
probiotics. So E. coli can be a really good thing if it's in the right amount. People, I'm sure, would have heard of uh, bifidus and acidophilus. Those are your main good bacteria. Right. So if we were to define a healthy gut, how would you summarise that? A healthy gut, so it starts in the stomach with good amounts of hydrochloric acid, good amounts of um, pancreatic enzymes. All of these things can be tested. Um, that the liver is working really well, that it's producing good amounts of bile on a daily basis and that it's not overburdened with uh, toxins or excess alcohol or or junk food, Um, that the gut has a really healthy microbiome with the right amount of good bacteria and there's no inflammation on the side of the bowel wall and it's uptaking nutrition really well. and that there's a good motility in the gut so that somebody is not getting constipated, they're going to the toilet every day a healthy amount, and they're also not getting diarrhoea where they're passing their nutrition through too quickly. There's also, you know, a relationship with stress as well as microbes that can exacerbate gut problems. Yeah, absolutely. We know that the the process of digesting the food and certainly the bowel movements also create the right environment for the development of healthy bacteria. So diarrhea can be quite problematic because you miss those important stages of digestion and therefore don't facilitate the right good bacteria in the gut. Yes, and diarrhea is normally caused by bad bacteria, parasites, fungus or um, a major intolerance to a certain food or something called small intestine bacterial overgrowth or possibly a fructose intolerance. So there can be various reasons. Um, and some people, when they get really anxious, get diarrhoea as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's go back to what you mentioned about stress briefly. How does that influence um, the gut health? So when you are stressed, when you're anxious, so if you think of a time that you did uh, an exam or maybe a driving test, often you feel that in your solar plexus, so underneath in between your ribs and you start producing adrenaline and that can have an effect at giving you diarrhea or moving your bowel too quickly. You can also have other types of stress and worry which cause you to hold on and cause constipation where you're not going to the toilet nearly enough and that is not good for the gut because it causes fermentation of bad bacteria and your gut is designed to pass out all the waste on a daily basis, not not to retain it. And if you're retaining it, it can actually go back into your bloodstream and uh, cause other problems um, with your mind and your body and skin problems and so on. Um, Stress can also affect your upper digestion. So stress can shrink the amount of hydrochloric acid and digestive enzymes you produce, so therefore you become more sensitive to pathogens. Um, And stress can really either reduce appetite so that you're not getting enough food or uh, it can cause you to eat and eat and eat out of boredom or depression and then gut problems develop as a result of that. Yeah, so I would like to think that what you just um, 
shared with us is enough evidence to support the importance of stress management? Uh, stress, stress management is paramount these days. We're under um, a lot more stress than we were, you know, even 50 years ago. There's a lot more demand in society, a lot more people running off adrenaline. I see adrenal exhaustion more than I've ever seen before. So that's a big part of my practice to help people to manage stress, to take at least half an hour a day where they do something that feeds their soul or relaxes them, for people to give themselves permission to relax because you're only going to be good to other people if you're in a good, healthy state yourself. So it's allowing yourself that time. And, you know, our time has been structured to manage stress. So we work eight hours a day, but we have breaks to to relax. You know, it's also designed that we have eight hours of sleep, time for play, weekends off. Uh, however, a lot of people are working overtime or, you know, they're a parent and running a job and just things get out of hand. But it's putting in slow, sustainable steps so that eventually your lifestyle has that right balance because so, so many illnesses are predetermined by stress. Um, so I sometimes see people who they have a big shock in their life, someone might pass away or they may lose a job and they'll get an illness. It might be a bowel illness. It might be something like diabetes. And they'll say it was the shock that caused that. But the shock's like the straw that broke the camel's back, the last thing, and, you know, the stress that has come before that. So I think planning your life to take those times out, to have weekends off during the year, to make sure you take relaxing holidays is, is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And so we know that stress is obviously significantly involved in an unhealthy gut. What are some other issues that create that sort of environment that create an unhealthy gut. Yeah, so if we talk about toxins and the environment yes. and the food that we eat. Yes, okay. So um, huge impact is the food that we eat. I'm very passionate about food as medicine and have lectured on it for many years. So starts from when you're born, you know, if you're not uh, breastfed, you're not necessarily getting a good healthy microbiome and a good good immune cells in your gut. Um, we have um, additives, preservatives, junk food, you know, food from children. They're not necessarily eating food from nature. Um, the water that we drink has chlorine and, and fluoride in it, which um, chlorine sterilizes a lot of the gut bacteria. So to get onto a, a healthy water is, is important. Uh and pesticides and herbicides, um, there's been so many studies done on that that show even if you change to organic food for two weeks, uh, a huge amount of pesticides come out of the, the system. An average child now has about 22 times more pesticides than they should have, but it's not something that's visible, you know, like a, a skin illness. It, it's something that gradually builds up over time. Um, so, you know, gradually getting onto whole healthy foods is important. And I can talk later about particular foods for the gut. Um, there's also toxins in the environment. So 
starting in your homes, a lot of materials at the homes are made of off-gas, new carpets, new sofas. Um, if you're not using healthy paints, they can off-gas for five years. So that all of that puts a burden on the liver, which is part of the digestive system. We have more heavy metals in society than we've ever had before, um, which is something that I test frequently. So, you know, people's drinking water often often has too much uh, copper. People have often have too much mercury in their system from amalgam fillings and eating certain uh, fish, and they can have other heavy metals like cadmium, tin, lead, uh, uranium, and you know all sorts of things. Um, so they play a significant impact in the gut as well. What you put on your skin and your hair makes a difference. So in choosing healthy soap, shampoos, makeups, and creams, and what you clean your house with. So you can basically clean a lot of your house with bicarb of soda, white vinegar, um, and special cloths like Enyo cloths that uh, don't have any chemicals. Um, and nowadays there's so many alternatives from health food shops, from laundry liquid to um, paints and so on. Uh, so it's just being aware of how that's impacting your body. Now we can't avoid everything and we don't want to become obsessive because that can cause uh, stress but just to be aware of it and make healthy choices where you can um, and your own body produces its own toxins particularly if you're eating bad food so for example if you eat sugar which is pure energy it has absolutely no nutrition and there's, there's no vitamins there's no minerals there's no protein in it it's just uh, energy and it feeds uh, bad bacteria in your body. It's what we call an anti-nutrient. So it will use up a lot more nutrition than what it has. The same with white flour. It uses up a lot of nutrition. It just becomes a burden to the body. Um, yes, yeah, so those are the main things. Yeah, and there's certainly a lot of issues there. And what we don't want to do is to make anyone feel overwhelmed about the amount of exposure they might be having. So what what would you say is the most important or are the most important areas to address first? Is it your food? Is it your water? Is it your cleaning products? As far as your gut is concerned, it's what you put in your mouth. Hmm. Um, so to start with food and to work in sustainable steps. So you can't really compare yourself to other people. You know, some people will say, right, I'm going to go completely onto organic food, uh, have nothing bad in my diet and they do it for two weeks and then it all gets too hard and then they, on the flip side, you know, and they might have a litre of ice cream because they just can't keep it up. So you're best to make small, sustainable steps, realistic goals. Uh, it takes 28 days to form a habit. So set yourself a goal for that time. However, having said that, the more severe the problem, the more you have to do, the more strict you have to be with yourself in order to get well. So having lots of vegetables in the diet, particularly green leafy vegetables, they have the most minerals um, and they have the most effect on helping the liver. Um, having whole foods, so for example, brown rice instead of uh, white rice, um, gluten-free grains where possible like quinoa, buckwheat and millet and rice, good healthy 
protein if you can, you know, start to get onto organic food. But if you're someone that has a little amount of vegetables or you have frozen vegetables, then the first step is to start implementing some fresh vegetables. If you don't have time, it might be getting you know, packets of rocket and spinach that don't, don't need washing or alfalfa or mung bean sprouts that don't need washing and then gradually getting onto good organic foods. And then once you're on a more whole diet, you can implement some really good foods for your gut, like kefir, which is K-E-F-I-R, and that is readily available from health food shops and delis, and you can buy the kefir grains and make it up yourself very cheaply, and it's very easy to make, or you can buy it ready made up. That produces... 100 times more probiotics than your average plain yogurt, but yogurt can be very good as well. Um, and then small amounts of fermented veggies, which, again, you can make yourself. I've got a chapter on that in my book, Digestive Solutions. There's recipes also available on the internet, and you can now buy them ready-made up from health food shops. Just, just a teaspoon with your main meals really helps create those good bacteria so you're wanting to take out what creates an unhealthy gut like uh, soft drinks um, too much caffeine junk food white flour sugar and then you're wanting to implement the really healthy foods yeah lovely that's a great little summary and I think you're right we're lucky these days like the amount of work involved to have gut health foods in your life is minimal because we're in that sort of world where it's almost been done for us. So for someone that's perhaps not ready to start fermenting from scratch, there's certainly um, great products available to purchase. Yes, there are. And it's just rethinking the way that you plan your meals. And it's, it doesn't necessarily take a lengthy amount of time to prepare a meal. So, for example, you could have some healthy rocket and, and spinach, add some olive oil and lemon juice and have a couple of boiled eggs or um, a tin of sardines with that and you can make up your grains like, like quinoa or buckwheat and they'll last four or five days in the fridge in a sealed container and just add that. You know, that can take five minutes. So it's just educating yourself on how you can eat healthily and planning is a real key if you don't have the right food in the house, if you get hungry and you're out and the only shops around are, are junk food shops, it can be more of a challenge. So I've just found planning is, is a real key to it all. Yeah, absolutely. And both of those are messages that we share all the time on the Real Food Reel. Certainly that real food can be as simple as the, the greens, the good fats and the quality proteins. And then obviously if you're into your gluten-free grains or your carbohydrates from you know starchy veggies – um, and then absolutely that food preparation is always going to be a part. I said this to all my clients, like you're going to eat every day, every week, every year. So food preparation needs to be integrated into your life because it doesn't go away. You can't just do it for one week. It needs to be happening very yes. regularly and it makes it really, really simple and affordable to eat real food. Yes, and then you will really see the results in your health and vitality over time. And if somebody has a particular problem with their gut, then obviously their diet needs to be different again. So if they have 
fructose intolerance, they need to come off fructose. If they have certain bacteria, they might need to come off carbohydrates for a while. But that that can all be dealt with with a professional. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Great. So one of the last topics I wanted to discuss with you um, within the topic of gut health was the relationship to mental health and perhaps memory. I feel like this area particularly is um, only really being explored quite recently. Um, what are your thoughts on on that and perhaps the, the treatment for um, either, you know, the brain health de- de- decline or um, mental health issues? It's huge, Steph. Uh, I have seen, for example, people with high amounts of streptococcus, which is known to cause a foggy mind, poor concentration and insomnia. Um, so that affects that. If you have certain parasites, it can cause a lot of irritability and anger and, and stress. Um, you know, you can imagine if you have something unfriendly in, in your gut, it's going to cause irritation and irritate your brain and just be a burden to the system. Uh, I used to work for Dr. Brighthope, who used to go into psychiatric hospitals and frequently was able to heal people by changing their diet. Uh, one case comes to mind of somebody that was you know, in a locked ward on psychiatric drugs and he discovered that they had a major yeast problem that had not only gone through their gut but had, had gone systemic and affected their brain. Um, put them on a particular diet with no yeast, no sugar, uh, avoiding also fructose and glucose and um, particular herbal remedies and they completely result, you know, in other words, they weren't uh, psychiatrically ill in the traditional sense. It was a gut problem that was causing that uh, and that person now runs a big computer company in Perth and just went from strength to strength. So often, and and I see this a lot in children as well, um, often they misbehave but it's down to a gut problem or a toxicity problem. Um, So it's it's very prevalent and it's very important to deal with that so that your mind can function really well. Absolutely, and I think it's a big area that we, you you and I and um, other health practitioners need to keep spreading because the problem is is even with children with behavioral disorders is they're just being um medicated no one's looking at their gut health or their nutrition and these problems are continuing to exacerbate and it's so unfortunate that the medical model perhaps yet isn't quite there with having that avenue to explore and support the the individual yes and it's all it's also having the knowledge to cross-refer. So, for example, I've got a friend who's a doctor in India and if anybody turns up with these kind of problems, you know, he says, what are you doing here? Go to the herbalist. You know, he just deals with more major problems and people that need operations. So I don't think there's enough understanding between the professions to, to sort of go, well, I'm not sure what's wrong, but I can refer to the nutritionist and naturopath or, or whoever it is. So, I think there's um, a problem there with the education to start with. It's getting better, but I think doctors traditionally know when to refer to a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a physiotherapist, but other therapies are just not fully understood what they do and what it involves and what they can do for these children. Um, and then I see quite a few children that their parents 
have to be able to pay for the treatment. So, you know, some parents will want to pay them for themselves, but not necessarily for their uh, children. So, yeah, it's it's something that really needs addressing. Yeah, it's a huge issue. But I think, like you say, it is definitely changing and there are some fantastic doctors that I'm sure are, you know, um, paving the way in this in this area. And, and certainly um, integrative medicine, integrative GPs are, uh, you know, I think are certainly becoming more popular and, and really just changing the industry and allowing us to, to work together to stop pharmaceutical intervention being that first line. Yes. Oh, look, there's some wonderful people and I've worked with quite a few of them and it is changing radically and I think we're going to see a big change over the next 10 years and a lot more acceptance of these concerns. And what about memory or situations like Alzheimer's disease? Do you have experience there with gut health? Yeah, I saw a lady about seven or eight years ago who was bought by her daughters and she had severe constipation. Uh, One of the things I do here is a closed method of colonic hydrotherapy as well as the herbal medicine and nutrition and diet. So um, I did some colonics on her just to, to relieve that constipation and they were unsure of how long it was since she'd been to the toilet so she lived on her own she had meals on wheels but had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's she couldn't drive she could hardly talk and when she did her sentences were all muddled um anyway what was really interesting with that was after several sessions of uh colonics and getting the daughters when they were with her to implement certain things with her diet her memory came back and then she actually started to drive herself in. So that wasn't a true case of Alzheimer's. It was really, really bad uh, constipation. Um, You can also get really bad memory problems with different uh, imbalances of bacteria in the gut Um, and cases where you lose your word, so you're talking and then you can't find a word for a certain thing, and that can really be exacerbated by dehydration so many years ago I used to work in nursing homes and I used to notice a difference when I gave the patients water more often their memory would be more acute so some people are are, are living on tea or coffee more than water and really dehydrated but both parasites overgrowth of bacteria constipation and poor diet can all contribute to Uh, memory Um, but that can also be caused by other things like heavy metals or severe inflammation in the brain or you know closing up of the arteries there are various things that can cause it but definitely the gut can have a big impact yeah absolutely and I'm glad you shared that with us because it is something that we want to be able to get um, everyone to think about in terms of you know if if their parents or their family members are suffering from these conditions that we can start to support them in this way and perhaps find the right practitioner to to be part of the team. Yes, and look around, there's more and more practitioners now. So you know, it's about just doing some research in your area and finding a good good practitioner. Absolutely. And before we wrap up today, Michelle, can you share us um, some information about your book, Digestive Solutions, and where our listeners can find you online? Yeah, so my book is Digestive Solutions, 101 Proven Methods to Solve Your Tummy Problems Naturally, Um, and the forward is done by Professor 
Bright Hope. So it's conducive to anyone, however you eat, whatever your belief systems are. It's largely about food as medicine, so it's to empower people in their own home with what they can do in their gut. Um, it talks about processing and its effect on the gut, um, organic food, uh, things that you use in your kitchen like pots and pans, whether they're poisoning you. Um, there's a lot of information on good, bad and ugly bugs um, and effective ways to enhance your digestion, relieve constipation and help eliminate allergies. Um, there's a lot about acid and alkaline and how that impacts the gut and what you can do with your diet there. Uh, healthy oils, which oils are good for you, which are bad, which oils can impact the gut. Fermenting all different foods to enhance the health of your digestive system. How you can start to detoxify your body yourself. And a lot about kitchen pharmacy, so what herbs and foods you can use in your kitchen to really enhance your gut health and your overall health. There's also a section on uh, recipes and a, a workbook to help implement these things into your life. It's quite a large book. It's, um, it's almost 400 pages, and it's available from all leading bookshops. It's also an e-book. And it's on our website, which is digestivesolutions.com.au or Ultimate Detox Solutions. Wonderful. Really looking forward to finding out more about your book. Um, and I'll put the show notes um, online so all our listeners can access, obviously, where to buy the book, more information about yourself and um, your social media pages as well. Thank you very much, Steph. It's been lovely talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on, Michelle. I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.